But uh, we're glad that you guys are with us today. Really excited that you uh, chose to be with us on YouTube and Facebook and here live. So we're so grateful for that. We are finishing this series. This series has been called Sorry. And it's really been a series on forgiveness. And, and I really believe that this series has been transforming our church because it's been transforming us as individuals because it's based on God's Word. And we've been learning and we've been growing and we've been understanding and trying to invest in, uh, in our own spiritual work and walk, which is not easy, by the way, because the world has a million things to call you to do. And so investing in your spiritual life is a very powerful thing. So in this series, we've really explored the importance of forgiveness. And many of you know what it's like. If you know Jesus, then you know what it's like to be forgiven. And boy, I don't, if you haven't yet, you can. And boy, I tell you, it will change your life. It's a world changer. And here's the cool thing. Not only is forgiveness that gift that you get, but some of us now know how to forgive. And that can sometimes even be a greater gift because it frees you from this prison of unforgiveness. And so uh, the truth of the matter is knowing about forgiveness and understanding the gift should have a profound influence on our lives. The key word being should have a profound influence on our lives. It should affect the way you treat yourself. Because how many people know unless you forgive yourself, it'll be hard to receive forgiveness from God and forgiveness from others until you have really been able to do that. And that usually is a work of the Holy Spirit that comes in and allows you to really do that deep dive, look at yourself and realize God loves you at your ugliest, at your worst, at your very worst individual moment, God loved you just as much as he loves you now. And it allows you to understand that. And then, then it helps us understand how we can forgive other people. That includes our enemies. Now see, that doesn't always preach on Sunday morning. People don't want to hear that. They want to hear, get them back. Give them what they deserve. But that's not, that is not the idea of forgiveness. As a matter of fact, Jesus gives us a command. Straightforward. If you do not forgive men when they sin against you, my Father in heaven will not forgive you. That's Jesus' word, not my word, Jesus' word. So it's important for you and I to understand that, really wrap our hearts and really wrap our minds around that concept and that idea. And when you and I start to understand that, we start to understand forgiveness more. The struggle is, is many of us, we don't forgive. And you know why we don't forgive? We don't forgive because we think that to forgive somebody means to ignore justice. And if you really believe that, you know what? You truly do not understand the gospel. You don't understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and you do not understand the cross of Christ if you believe that forgiveness means God ignores justice. That is the exact opposite. The fact that the cross took place, the fact that Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God, was sacrificed, He was beaten, He was whipped, He was mocked, He was hung naked on a cross, stabbed in the heart on the cross for you and me. Your sin required a sacrifice. There was justice that had to be paid, and justice was paid in full. So for you to think that forgiveness means to ignore justice means you completely do not understand how you have been forgiven and of what you have been forgiven. 
You see, it costs God everything. The cross of Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God and the rightful wrath of God was satisfied in Christ Jesus and objects of wrath became objects of affection. So don't think that forgiveness is weakness or forgiveness ignores justice. No, not at all. Just understand that forgiveness means that sins have been covered over by the cross of Christ. Big difference. So when you and I start to wrap our minds around that, we start to understand that now we can confess to God. The hardest thing for you and I to do is confess. But the problem is you won't confess until you know that you've done wrong. See, some of us, we're just sad we got caught. So we're remorseful that you caught us. We're remorseful that we got caught doing whatever it is. We're not repentant because we would do it again and when you're not looking. But repentance means to make a 180, not a 360, but a 180 and walk away. You see, that is what repentance truly is. So we confess, we repent, we receive forgiveness, we then give forgiveness, we are restored, we are reconciled to God, and then God gives us the power to forgive those that we didn't have the power to forgive in Christ. That's the key word. But if there's ever been a time in our nation that this message needs to be heard, it's now. If there's ever been a time in our city it's now. In our churches, in our church, City on a Hill Church, it is now. If there's ever been a time in your individual heart that this message has to sink in, my individual heart, it is now. Now is the time. And the reason that I say that is because the metal of our relationship with God and our relationship with others has been tested and proven to be unstable and shakable. We have, instead of allowing our faith to inform our actions, we have allowed our fear, we have allowed our anger, we have allowed our corrupt sense of justice to inform our actions and not our faith. And therefore, we have destroyed relationships among even our brothers and sisters in Christ. The true test of our metal has been proven unstable and shakable, but thanks be to God, I know a rock. I know a rock that is stable. I know a rock that is able. I know a rock that is unstable, uh, unshakable. I know a rock. His name is Jesus. And we can build our lives on the rock. You see, an honest understanding of who we truly are is required. You see, an honest understanding of our hearts. An honest understanding of our thoughts. An honest understanding of our motivations. An honest understanding of our ability to manipulate. An honest understanding of our general ugliness is vital to our forgiveness and repentance. You see, when you do the ugliness, that's when I say, hey, don't make me use my preacher voice. <laughs> see, when you use your preacher voice, you start enunciating things. And every once in a while, you call God God. So when you hear me say, God, you know we're in trouble. Make a note of that. Because God is watching. Hallelujah. 
You see, you and I, we try and hide parts of our lives from God. I really find that just so funny. You know, you and I think we can hide from God. It's like a child playing hide and seek with you and we cover our eyes. You can't see me. No, you can't see me. That's truly what happens, isn't it? Think about it. And the truth is, when we do try and hide from God, we can't see him because we cover our own eyes and we're supposed to keep our eyes on Jesus. It's kind of hard to keep your eyes on Jesus when you have them closed and your hands over them. And so it's important for you and I to understand that, that God knows every icky thing about you. He knows every ugly thing about you and he still loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. My scripture verse, my life verse, is God demonstrates his love in this, in the while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. God loved me at my worst, at my very worst. When I had done things to be ashamed of, God loved me. Why would he not love me now? He loves me the same as he's always loved me. His love hasn't changed. Perhaps my love has. Hmm. You see, for us, we can't compare our relationships to some toxic relationships. That's what we do. We compare our relationships to toxic relationships. And then instead, what we do is we compare our badness to somebody else's badness and decide they're worse. We decide our evil, we compare our evil with their evil, and we say we're less evil, so that makes us good. No, it still makes you evil. You see, this is the issue that we have. Now, here's the difference. When you start comparing your badness to God's holiness, now you get a picture. Now forgiveness becomes achievable because now you understand in light of God's holiness who you are, and now you get to clothe yourself with Christ. And you get to be called the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, it's hard to confess because it takes pride. It takes us to let all of our pride down. Say, God, I need you more than my next breath, man. God, I need you. I'm the bad guy here. I need you. You're the good guy. I'm the bad guy. I need you. But I know that you take bad guys and make them good guys. And so I need you. You see, the beauty of forgiveness is forgiveness for the sinner is complete and incomplete in Christ. Basically, what that means is we no longer have to be reconciled with God. You know, what happens is a lot of times, you know, we get saved and then we think that one mistake and we're like, heaven, hell, heaven, I'm going to heaven now. Ten minutes later, I'm going to hell, going to heaven, I'm going to hell. You know how it is. Come on, right? When I first got saved, I got saved every week got saved every week the preacher knew when there was an altar call and that's old school when you used to have to get up and walk down the altar and he knew he knew you could count on one mike was coming mike had his little spot they might as well just put a reservation right there for mike they're like yes anybody in the house today that wants to give their heart it's me man i'm all going he's like anybody need it's me I need Jesus. Found my spot right there, week in, week out. And then later, when I became the youth pastor of that church, I used to sit in that corner before I would preach and say, God, today I hope somebody ends up in my corner. 
I hope somebody ends up in my spot. Amen? Every week, every week, I told you since we opened the doors of this church, every single week I give an altar call. I don't care if I know everybody in the room is saved because just because you're here doesn't mean you're saved. And just because I've known you 10 years doesn't mean you're saved. Right? So I call, and there are some people, I know I get a hand. I know I'm getting a hand, and I'm just, I'm grateful for that hand because I can say, yes, ma'am, I see that hand. Yes, sir, I see that hand. And they raise it every week, and I'm okay with it. You know why? I don't care how many times you raise the hand. If that's what the Holy Spirit's saying to you, then let him say it to you. If, I, if you want to make sure that you're sure that you're sure that you're sure that you're sure, don't let me get in the way. Don't let me get in the way because I'm sure you got something to repent of. I know I do. Give me 10 minutes and I will. You see, for you and I, we must understand that because of Jesus, we're found in him. We're united with him. No longer does sin separate us from our relationship with God because when God sees the believer, what he sees is someone who's been washed pure by the blood of Christ. There used to be an old song that says, are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And so again, it allows for you and I to understand that our relationship with Christ isn't an in-out thing. Now, the intimacy of our relationship is affected by sin. You see, unfortunately for you and I, we give our hearts to Christ. It doesn't mean you're never going to sin again. You know what I'm talking about. We all struggle with it. We need to ask for forgiveness, right? Some of my precious men, man, I love my Wednesday night brothers, man. Even, even, we've even been online, you know, and, and been faithful. And sometimes the, same, sometimes the brothers come to me, and without fail, in all the time we've been studying, there's always one or two brothers that just say, Pastor Mike, I just want to give up. I just want to give up, man. I keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I'm not, get, I'm not asking for forgiveness anymore because I don't deserve it. My response is always the same. Did you deserve it the first time? Then what makes you think you deserve it the thousandth time? You see, Jesus said that we are supposed to forgive as often as we're asked. And God said he would forgive you as often as you ask. Right? Amen. So what happens is I say, so what you're saying is now you're God. You're the king of your life. You're God, you are judge, and you say that your corrupt judgment is better than God's and that you don't deserve his forgiveness because you know more than God. I didn't say that, Pastor Mike. Well, yes, you did. When you decided that you were going to harm yourself by not asking God for forgiveness for the only one who can cleanse you of this sin, then you have affected your intimacy. So the best thing to do is repent. So what do we do? Jesus, forgive me. I'll never do it again. Liar. You just lied. And then God's like, I'll forgive you for that, but you have to ask me forgiveness for lying. Here's a better one. Jesus, forgive me. I'll try not to do that again. Exactly. And God is going to do his best work in our lives because we're not perfect. We're being what? And we have to trust God. Now, does that mean we lean on those things? Of course not. What it means is we trust in God's grace and we trust that God is going to give us victory in the end. 
But we can't quit and give up because the only person we hurt is us. Think about it with a parent. When your children wrong you, you're not my son anymore. Right? Get out. No more heaven for you. You're locked out. And don't take any of your stuff either because it's all my stuff. Right? No, you can't, Dave. (laughs) Thank God that he didn't do it to you. (laughs) Thank you for that, Dave. See, Dave just gives me that stuff. It's like... But think about it. Does that happen? No, it doesn't happen that way. But, but you know what does happen, though? There's an intimacy that's affected. And any of us who've been children know what that is. When there's something between you and mom or something between you and dad, and you know that they're upset with you, what do you do? You, you keep your distance. You don't go as close to them. You don't call, climb up on their lap. You don't want to snuggle with mom. Because you think there's something between. And you think mom doesn't want to snuggle with you. And the truth is mom always wants to snuggle with you. Dad always wants to have a word with you. Always. There's never a time they don't want to. And God's the same way. But we stay away. Why? Because we know there's something between us. And that's what sin does to us. It makes us not want to snuggle with God. It makes us not want to climb up in daddy's lap. Because there's something between us. And God's saying, I've already forgiven you. All you have to do is come snuggle. You know? That's God. That's his way, man. You see, our sin, our failures, our mistakes can do that. But God, God wants to build those relationships between us. Now, 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 the struggle is between he and us, and then that relationship comes this way. And it's a little more complicated here on earth. It's a little more complicated. But the first step to us living in right relationship with each other, we have to be living in right relationship with God. When we are living in right relationship with God, we're going to want to live in right relationship with others. So when you look at this salvation of the soul... And the forgiveness of sins is available to all who believe. Everyone who believes. That means Republicans. That means Democrats. That means independents. That means black people, white people, Americans, South Americans, even Canadians. A joke, okay? Canadian people say, I love you all, okay? I'd rather do a missions trip to Canada. I would, instead of the heat, I'm telling you. Heat, God even loves Antarcticans. Puerto Ricans, you hear it. He loves everybody. This is the point. It's for all people. And so when we come to this, we understand salvation of the soul and forgiveness of sins is for all who believe, everybody. So we come to this story in Acts chapter 10, and there was a group of people who believed salvation was only for them. And believe it or not, in 2020, there's a group of people who believe only salvation is for them. So Peter, he comes upon... 
the house of a Roman centurion named Cornelius. Now you have to understand, Romans were the worst of the worst. They were the biggest bullies in the world. Rome took pleasure in finding ways to make your death extra, extra awful. As a matter of fact, from the cross, the word excruciating literally means from the cross. And they invented crucifixion to find a way to make you suffocate and die slowly over the course of days. They took pleasure in that. They dominated everybody. If they saw you in town, they taxed you more than they, than they should have to tax you. They would make you carry things. They did anything they wanted, anytime they wanted, to anyone they wanted. And Israel was under their rule. And here comes Peter to Cornelius' house. And Peter finds out that Cornelius has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only heard the gospel, but responded to the gospel. And not only responded to the gospel, but is filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Peter comes and says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And the Holy Spirit falls upon Cornelius and all the Romans that are there. So Peter's like, this is amazing. I need to go back to the church in Jerusalem and tell them Jesus even saves Romans. Well, the church wasn't excited about Jesus saving Romans. Amen. (laughs) He wasn't. They weren't. And so what happens? What happens? Peter goes back and he tells them, guys, you're not going to believe it. The same spirit that fell on us, it fell on us. No, I don't believe that. But eventually they had to receive it and accept it. And it turned out that the gospel of Jesus Christ was for everybody. Everybody, even your worst enemy, even your socialist, even your Trump supporter, don't say that out loud, even your fill-in-the-blank, whoever you think your enemy is, even your Democrat, even your Republican, even your whatever, fill it in. Jesus saves sinners, and we're all sinners. So here's Peter. So Peter opened his mouth, and he said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, everybody say every nation. Anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is the Lord of all. I love how they put that in there. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism uh, that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Even the Jews said that. Jesus of Nazareth, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, yeah, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Lamb of God, the Lord of glory, the Rose of Sharon. I can go on, right? With the Holy Spirit and with power, he went about doing good and healing all. Everybody say all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are all witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. 
of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him appear, not to all the people, but to us who have been chosen by God as witnesses. Everybody say witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness to everyone who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. May the Lord add his blessing on his word. What we see here today is Peter is breaking down every barrier, every racial barrier. He's breaking down every political barrier. He's breaking down every barrier and saying Jesus is the Lord of all. And he's saying that there is a people group that is larger than any other people group. And it's the Christian people group. And that's what we should be saying today. We should be recognizing that we are the family of God. We are the people of God. We are one people before I am white I am a Christian before I am a man I am a Christian before I am American I am a Christian I have a dual citizenship and my hope and my faith and my trust is based on Jesus Christ and so it is my faith that informs my identity it is my faith that it informs my actions it is my faith that gives me my platform and my platform is for all people can you say amen But that ain't so with everybody. Look at what, uh, this is the first thing I want you to see. Forgiveness of sins is not the goal of the gospel. It's reconciliation between God and all of mankind. That's the goal. See, forgiveness of sins, that's not, see, we stop right there. That's not the goal. It's reconciliation between God and man. That's the goal. God wants a relationship with you. He doesn't, doesn't want to forgive you once in your life because you need forgiveness way more than once. He wants to build an ongoing relationship. He wants you to be a, a child of God. He wants to be your father. He wants to sign the adoption papers. He, does, he doesn't want to just foster you or have you live in his house. He wants to adopt you and give you his name. Amen, church. Amen. Forgiveness always happens in pursuit of a bigger goal. And that's reconciliation. God's forgiveness for you through Jesus Christ, his ultimate goal was a relationship with you. You confessed, you repented, you received forgiveness, and now God wants you to pursue a, re a relationship with him. When you and I ask for forgiveness and receive forgiveness from a family member, a brother in Christ or a friend, the goal is not just to be forgiven, but the goal is to restore and reconcile the relationship. Can you say amen? So it's important for us to understand that we are forgiving in pursuit of something greater. And by the way, I know there are some people that aren't healthy for us, and I'm going to get to that. But ultimately, I want to remind you that forgiveness, the pursuit of forgiveness, sometimes the pursuit is freedom. Sometimes you need to forgive so that you can be free. So the ultimate pursuit is freedom, which is reconciliation with God and you. Because the Bible says, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. Sometimes you need to forgive so that you can be free. The second thing I want you to see is Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection removed all barriers. Everybody say all. 
between God and anyone who believes the, the good news uh, of Jesus and the gospel exists to remove all barriers between you and God. God just doesn't want you to have a clean conscience. He's not, because guess what's going to happen? Something's going to happen and it's going to mar that conscience up yet again. God is interested in cleansing your soul. When he cleanses your soul, you'll be able to pronounce like Paul did, I am a man of clean conscience. You see, God is interested, uh, not interested in your remorse. He is interested in your repentance. God is interested in your deep recognition of a relationship with him. That's ongoing. That's growing. The gospel calls us to confess, repent, and, for, and be forgiven. But the ultimate goal is to build our broken relationship with God. And most of the time when we build our broken relationship with God, guess what happens? The relationships in our life start to improve. And even if they don't improve on the other side, they improve on your side. Do you know why? Because you now see them through God's eyes. No matter if they see you through God's eyes, you now see them and you have a compassion that you never had. You have a love that you never had. You have an understanding that you never had because now you see through the eyes of God. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. When we forgive here on earth, every time when it's possible, we should seek reconciliation. But I know there are some relationships that are just not healthy for us, including some of our own family members. I have some of my family members I have to love from a distance. I ha- it's, it's hard, but I have to love them from a distance because the relationship that we have is not healthy. And so I strive to love them, but I love them from a distance. I try everything in my power to demonstrate the love of I never stop praying for them, never stop hoping, never stop quitting, never, never ever say, I'm not going to give up on you, but at this point, our relationship is not broken because of me, and I love you, and that's what we have to understand. There are some relationships that we don't need to be in. Some of us get saved and and, and we have some people who were our best friends, maybe childhood friends, and it turns out they're not the best for you anymore. It doesn't mean you don't love them. It just means you're on a different path and you start hanging with them and you're going to be right back where you were. Make no mistake about it, my friends. The scripture says, bad company corrupts good character. You can't go back to the places you used to go. You have to go to new places. Sometimes the greatest barrier for us as humans is our lack of relationship with God. The first step is living in right relationship with God if we want to live in right relationship with others. It's important for us to understand that. It's important for us to keep that in our minds. Sometimes our inability to forgive is because our relationship with God is stagnant and it hasn't moved in a long time. The third thing I want you to see is we're called to a lifestyle of repentance. We're called to a lifestyle of repentance. We are called uh, so that our relationship with God deepens. You see, God intends for our relationship to deepen. He wants our relationship to grow. And become more and more and more. That's what he wants. He wants you to not study his word so you know more about the Bible. He wants you to study his word so you know more about him. 
you know what he thinks. You know, this is what his goal is. And so the lifestyle of repentance uh, truthfully is a part of a healthy relationship both here on, in heaven and on earth. You see, a lifestyle causes us to forge a deeper relationship with God. And it helps us to do things we never, ever dreamed we could. We forgive and we never, ever thought that we could. We find mercy and we never, ever believed that we could. We find strength that we never knew we had. But let me warn you, the last thing for today is the ongoing unconfessed sins of believers create a distance between us and God. The ongoing unconfessed sins of believers create a distance between us and God. If you've been feeling distant from God, He didn't move. You did. The only barrier between us and God is the only barrier is you. And God gave you that choice. The omniscient, all-powerful God gave you a choice. That's it. The choice is yours. He said, I love you, but I want you to choose me. I, don't, I, I, I can make you love me, but then that's not really love because it's not a choice. So I want you to choose me. But you see, unconfessed sins, they create a distance between us. If you find yourself right now stuck in your relationship with God, I would argue there's something unconfessed in your life. I would argue that there's a high percentage chance that there's something going on that you think you're hiding from God. And if not, I would argue that there's unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness is creating distance between you and God. Because the Bible's very clear. He says, if you don't forgive men when they, for, uh, when they sin against you, your Father in heaven will not forgive you. If you're feeling that distance, it's probably unconfessed sin. And that's hard to hear. And that's not going to preach on Sunday, but it's something that you need for real life and somebody has to tell you the truth. Why do you think the psalmist... Amen. Why do you think the psalmist in Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and if, if there be any wicked way in me, show me so that I can change it and live. Show me. Why do you think the psalmist said in Psalm 51, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me? Because they knew something was wrong. We need this. And the truth of the matter is, we're not going to get this right all the time, guys. We're just not. We're not perfect. We're being perfected, and that's a work of the Holy Spirit. I wish I could stand here and tell you, but I'm just as human as you are. Preaching this message, I feel just as human as you are. Do you think I, ha don't, do you think I don't have anger? Do you think that I don't have travail and pain when I look and see what's happening in our country, our nation, our world? Do you think that politics doesn't affect my life and heart? Of course it does. The difference is I let my faith inform because I have to stand here in this pulpit and preach God's word above my opinion. But it doesn't change the fact 
that I am just like you. We're all the same. The difference is we need to let God's Word inform our lives. You don't think I have strong opinions? Of course I have strong opinions. But my, but my opinions, I have better promises than opinions. So the promises of God far outweigh my opinions. You think I don't have a whole... Listen, I'm a student. I've spent my whole life studying history. I love history. You think that this is the first time that this kind of stuff has happened, even in our short country's history? Please. Please. I studied the church's response, and sometimes they get it right, and sometimes they get it wrong. Kind of sounds like me. But this time I want to get more right than wrong. And God's working on me. Anybody who knows me knows I have a mouth. And I use it. Sometimes for good. I'll give you an example, okay? Just so you guys know that I'm a struggler, okay? I'm on the struggle bus, okay? Just a few months ago, there was a, a neighbor that was outside, and, and she was being accosted by a, a, a guest at one of the hotels. And he was just doing lewd. I mean, things that if he would have done them to my wife, he definitely would have got slapped. But thanks be to God, he didn't do it to my wife. And, uh, um, and so, uh, so I'm walking. I'm out there just walking. And he is laying on. Ah! Imagine that for 10 minutes straight outside their house. And I'm walking. And I thought maybe he was having a heart attack. I didn't know what was going on. I had no idea any of those things happened. I walk up. I'm like, dude, are you all right? He's like, hey, man, gave me the California howdy. I said, that's cool. I'm number one. I got you. Went back and walked away. Well, then he comes around and he starts driving slow and he rolls his window down and he begins to call me things that I haven't been called in a long time by better people. And I said, who are you talking to, boy? And he was a man, an older man. And in my mind, I walked over there and just, pat, 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 pat. And I said, you may drive now. But in my heart, I went into my house, and I'm in my house, and I'm pacing. I'm like this, and Lorena's in the other room, and I'm in the foyer, and I'm like... Should I go punch him in the face? 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 And Lorena's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, there's a dude out there. And what he just said to me, I got to go punch him in the face. And she's like, really great. So pastor punches man in face on Grill. And she says, just so you know, I won't bail you out. I told her, I said, it's all right, because Paul Tyree's got my back. He'll bail me out of jail. He told me he'll bail me out of jail. I said, if I get one call, phone call, it's going to be to Paul Tyree, not my wife, because she'll be like, he did it, leave him there. Let him learn. So finally, thanks be to God, you didn't see that headline. I settled down. I was like, you know what? You're not going to go punch him in the face. He deserves it, but you're not going to do it. And I began to think, well, maybe there's something wrong with him. Maybe he's got a mental issue. I know he could have some physical issues, but 
I'm gonna, and I thought, well, maybe something's going on in his life, and I just started to kind of calm down, and I calmed myself down. I was like, no, that's who you were. This is not who you are. It's not who you are. It's not who you are. Your wife won't bail you out. It's not who you are. Your wife won't bail you out. And, but Paul Tyree will. Paul, and, then, and the other shoulder's like, but Paul will, you know. It'll feel good, yeah? And I was like, yes, it would. But anyway, finally I settled down, and I just said, okay, I'm just going to let it go because my pride says, go do this. But my heart says it's not right. The hard part about that is, though, is just because I didn't go punch him in the face, which I really, really, really wanted to. The hard part is, is I still had to confess because it was in my heart. You see, even though I didn't do it in my heart, I really wanted to. I mean, I really wanted to. And then I had to look at my heart and say, Jesus, man, there's a part of my heart that still needs to be surrendered to you. And I was just like, God, thank you. Thank you for, for helping me. And guys, that's what our relationship with God is. I wish I could sit here and tell you that, you know, I didn't feel any of that. And I just waved at him and said, hey, here's a track. Jesus loves you. Yeah. I wanted to hit him and then tell him, you know, Jesus loves you, and I'll call you an ambulance. <laughs> but it's different now. Thanks be to God, who leads us into triumph. But I say that to say, guys, we all are struggling. We all have feelings and emotions. But this, this has got to outweigh this. And this has got to outweigh this. If what we say is really going to change the world. I don't think too many people. Well, there's a few guys who would. I don't think there's too many people that want to go to a church where the pastor punches people in the face. I, I know I got a couple guys going, hey, you know, I'm with you. But no, no, I know. I know. Let me put it this way. I don't think Jesus wants a pastor to lead men who will punch people in the face. There may even be a few ladies who are like, no, she deserved it. <laughs> but I say this to say, man, forgiveness is the way. And it's not easy. It's not. And there are going to be struggles. And we're not always going to get it right. But guys, if we let our hearts, if we let our hearts be overwhelmed by God's love. We'll see through different eyes. And we'll love each other the way that we deserve to love each other. And we'll love our city. And we'll love our enemies. And we'll love everybody the way God loves us, which is unconditionally. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. God, thank you. Thank you for your love. God, I thank you that you're still working on me, and I thank you that you restrained my, my physical body. I thank you that you did more than that, though, God, but you did heart surgery because I needed it. And the lesson that you taught me is that there were still things in my heart that have to be cleaned out, and thank you that you're the soul-cleansing God. God, we're all looking at our hearts right now, and there are some things we have to look at. Right where you're at, 
If, if you need to forgive somebody right where you're at, just do it. Jesus, I forgive them. I release them and I release me. Right where you're at, just, I forgive them. Maybe you need to forgive you. I forgive me. If you're here this morning and you say, man, I don't know what that feels like, but Pastor Mike, I want to know what you were talking about. When you say God wants to adopt me into his very own family and he wants to forgive me and he loves me, I want to know what that love feels like. Well, the Bible says if we believe in Jesus, if we receive him, he gives us the right to be called children of God. The adoption papers are already signed. All we have to do is sign on the dotted line by belief and by receiving the message. So right where you're at, you can say, Jesus, I believe you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on a cross for my sin. I believe that God raised you back to life. I believe that you're preparing a place called heaven for me. And I believe that one day you're going to take me to come that I may be with you. Until then, I believe that the Holy Spirit now resides in me. And I know that I can't be perfect, but I am being perfected. And so I rely heavily on that today. It's in Jesus' name that I pray this prayer by faith. And all God's people who said it said, amen, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap today because of the good God?